it's great to have you here today. Just want to say a special welcome uh, to anybody that's visiting today. We want to uh, make sure that you feel uh, loved and welcomed here today. We pray that for all of us that you've been encouraged uh, so far today. What a week it has been. If you, if you kind of step back and look at the last week that we've had, we've got St. Patrick's Day. Do we have any Irish people out there? Anybody? A little bit of green out there today still, too. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, um, we got the NCAA. Is anybody a basketball fan? This is like the greatest. Yeah. Oh, my word. This is great. Okay. The UNI Panthers. How about that, huh? Oh, my word. Yeah. I, I thought about it today. I was actually laying in bed last night, and, and I don't normally set my clothes out of what I'm going to wear the next day, but I was thinking last night, I was thinking so much about the Panthers, I have to wear my purple shirt. I have to wear my purple shirt. I'm just in the mood. Holy cow, what a game. That was just incredible. And uh, it's not every day when a team from Iowa knocks off the number one team in the nation, the number one overall seed in the whole tournament. And you and I and some guy, Froke, I sounds like a word you shouldn't say, uh, his last name. But what an incredible game. And just a lot of things to get excited about. I was actually watching some things online this week, and I saw they actually interviewed a guy from a job site, and the topic for the day was how to make it not obvious that you're skipping work to watch the tournament. That was the topic. And so it was like this guy from Monster.com, this job search engine. He was giving all these how to make it not obvious. Like if you and your friend are really good basketball fans, probably don't skip out or send an email to your boss on the same day or at the same time. Just how to not make it obvious that you're skipping. I know I was working on my message the last couple days, and so I have the tournament like streaming live behind my sermon and popping it up. So if there's little basketball references in there, then you know why. So, uh, But also, there's, there's a buzz in the air. Uh, we got a little taste of spring this past week. Uh, I don't, what day was that? Wednesday? Thursday? Thursday. Just a beautiful day, and then boom, back to winter. But uh, a lot of things uh, to be thankful for. Uh, a week with plenty to celebrate. And that's what I want to talk about today, is that I, I want to I talk to you about the fact that there is so much to celebrate in our lives, and it's, and it's deeper than sports. As exciting as that is, it's deeper than March Madness. It's deeper than the spring break trip that you might have maybe leaving on or coming back from or, or on, and you just happen to, to bounce in this morning. It's, it's deeper than spring. It's deeper than, than spring coming. It's it's deeper than St. Patrick's Day. It's deeper than any holiday or birthday that might, we might celebrate. The joy of the Lord is real, and that's reason to celebrate, because the joy of Jesus is the greatest news in the world, right? The, the greatest thing that we could ever experience. It's the cross and the empty tomb, and it's this story that we're celebrating as we move through Lent, as we prepare for Easter. And you know that during Lent, kind of the reason that we're in these chair pods is that we're doing life together. We're talking about the extreme makeover that God wants to do inside of us. And we're talking about not trying harder, but these soul training exercises that we're doing as we're preparing our hearts for Easter. We don't want to be the same people on Easter that we were when we started four weeks ago during Lent. God is moving in us and changing us. We've talked about a lot of different topics. We, we talked about how it is more about training rather than trying. We've talked about prayer and how prayer is just this ongoing conversation with God. We've talked about service and how, how being a servant and, and living a life of service moves us out of complacency and moves us into joy. Last week, uh, Jeremy was here and he talked about the importance of reading the book, right? Reading the book, that, that God's word has, has the power to create faith in our lives, and it's, it's important. It's what we base our lives on. But um, as you look at this list, if you can see this list, 
Uh, there might be one up there that doesn't quite fit as you, as you look at that list. Sometimes I think we get this idea in our head that when we're thinking about spiritual disciplines, that it's like, it's hard and it's like this, 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 this burden. And I, and I think that sometimes we think it's like these, this baggage that, that Jesus wants to throw on top of us. We already have busy lives. Every single one of us already has a lot going on. And sometimes I think, we see the things, the, the commands of Jesus, and we think, well, that's just extra baggage that he wants to throw on top of us. But then you look at this list, and you might think that until you get, we've got study, prayer, service, solitude, celebration? What? Is that a typo, you might ask? No, it's not a typo. It's up there for a reason. Celebration of, of praise, of, of worshiping God, of pursuing joy. And you might say, well, what that, what's that doing up there? That seems a lot more like a get-to than a got-to, right? The spiritual disciplines are hard. They're supposed to be hard work, right? They're supposed to be a burden on us. Celebration. What's that up there for? I'm reminded of Psalm 16:11. David says this. Speaking of his God, you have made known to me the path of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence. You fill me with joy in your presence. Pursuing the heart of God was not a duty for David. It was a joy. It's the same thing that we just heard Mark read up here this morning. A joy to be with God, to be in his presence. I delight in the simple fact of being with you, God. Not doing anything for you, not striving to earn your love, just being with you. The joy of being with the Lord. Does that describe your walk with God today? Or would you describe it more as kind of a drag? Kind of a burden. Just, I'm just kind of burned out. I'm just kind of tired. Does joy describe your current experience with God? What, what difference does Jesus make in our lives if it's not that? And so as, as important as the others are, for sure, you may find today that joy is actually the very thing that you need. We tend to focus on those other ones and say, you know, those are a little bit more spiritual. Like, celebrating? That's like something we do like for my kids' birthday parties. That's not a spiritual discipline, right? Celebration. It's on the list. It's biblical. It's, it's, it's all throughout Scripture what God commands us to do. So I want you to break into your groups for the first time. And underneath one of the chairs, there's a little uh, slip of paper that has some questions on it. And this is your first uh, small group question for the day. There's a couple scriptures on there that I'd like you to dig into about God's heart for us. And the question is, have you ever considered celebration to be a spiritual discipline? Finding joy. So read those verses and discuss that question in your groups. And we'll come back in a couple minutes. All right, if you want to wrap up your conversations. I hate to be a joy killer and kill your conversations, but we got to move on. So uh, if you want to flip your chairs back around, we'll, we'll keep rolling here. A chatty bunch today. So what difference does Jesus make? Maybe you, you, you talked about that a little bit, but what, what difference does Jesus make? I want to talk a little bit about what, what, would, what would that look like to live a life of celebration, to live a life of joy. I wonder, do you have... Just think for a second about the, the people that are in your circle of friends or in your family. Do you have people in your life that are just simply a joy to be around? You know what I'm saying? Not just 
Thank you. Uh, not, not just happy people. I'm talking about people in your life that are a joy to be around. These people in your life that, that just by being around them, it's not necessarily anything that they do or anything that they say, just their presence fills you up. You know what I'm talking about? Those certain kind of people in your life, they just fill you up. Give me a second here. Good thing I had breakfast this morning. Okay, that's good enough. Whew. Okay, give me a second. I've been blowing up a balloon and wow, that takes a lot of air. Oh my word. Do you have people in your life that just fill you up when you're around them? So you can all think of, of those people. And, and it's, it, it may be their personality. It may be... Um, it may be that they're an extrovert. You know, you hear about introverts and extroverts, people that really love to be around people. Uh, it may be that. It may just be that they have a really good smile, that they're just smiling all the time whenever you see them. They're just, they're just happy. But more often than not, isn't it those people that bring joy to your life? It's something deeper. It's something just below the surface level that, that even if something's wrong, right, they're, they're always kind of a glass half full kind of person. They just... Fill you up. I mean, if you're a balloon, they just pour into you. And they just fill you up. They just fill you up. And you know it's deeper. You know the joy that they have is deeper and it, it comes from within. It's not based on the circumstances of their life. Um, Matt, I'm sorry. I'm not sick or anything. Do you just want to hold that? Okay. You can just hold it. Yeah. Just don't let go. Not yet. So for me, when I think about that... That's my friend Shane. That's my friend Shane. Let me tell you about Shane. Shane was my uh, youth leader growing up at my church, and, and eventually we just kind of became friends as, as I uh, got older. And we stayed in touch in all sorts of ways, but he was just one of those guys, and maybe you have these people in your life as well, that like every single word that comes out of their mouth just makes you laugh. You know what I mean? Do you have those people in your that are just kind of, they're just a comedian. Just their natural personality is that everything they do and everything they say is just naturally funny. Well, Shane was one of those kind of guys, and every word that would come out of his mouth would just make me laugh. And we'd, he, was, he was discipling me for a while. He was my mentor. And we'd even, we'd even be sitting reading the Bible, and he would start, you know, we'd switch off reading the passages, and he'd read the passage like Ted Koppel or, you know, something like that in some strange voice, and I would just bust out laughing like... Bible study was never a serious thing with Shane. We always kept it lively. I remember we could not pray together because we had so much fun together. Like we would just start laughing in the middle of our prayers. I, I don't think I've ever said sorry, God, as much as when I was praying with Shane. Just like, I'm sorry that we keep interrupting. Uh, but it was just one of those things. I remember there was one summer where, where Shane picked me up and we, we went to this park in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know where it was in Iowa, somewhere. And we just went to this bridge that kind of overlooked this lake and we, we, we bought a, an entire watermelon. I don't know why we did this, but like not a half, like a slice of watermelon, but a huge thing of watermelon, full watermelon. And we just went and we just had a big watermelon eating contest to who could eat their half of the watermelon the fastest. And then we had a seed spitting contest to see who could spit the seeds. I have never laughed so hard in my life. Like I almost had an accident. I was, I was laughing so hard. You know, you have those moments where you just laugh from the bottom of your gut and it's something deeper than just happiness. It's like, I am happy to be with this person, to be alive. And they just fill you up looking at it. I was like, that was one of the dumbest things I've ever done, but I wouldn't have traded it for anything. That was one of the best summers of my life because I pursued joy. And even if I wasn't, he led me into it. 
Shane was someone that, that God used in my life to remind me to not get so serious about life that I miss the joy. That I miss the joy of knowing the Lord because Shane wasn't just a goofball. Shane was a Jesus guy. Shane was a Jesus guy. He knew the Lord. It wasn't about being happy for Shane. It wasn't about putting on a mask that he had to be this certain kind of person. It's just who he was because it was deep in his heart. Shane was one of those first people that I, that I met that, that I understood that maybe being a Christian has something to do with being filled up with joy, about breathing life into people. First Thessalonians says, be joyful always. And I don't think that that command would be in the Bible if it was not possible. It does not say be happy always. It says be joyful always. And that comes from something deeper. Now, make no mistake about it. I'm not trying to, with a message like this, it's easy to kind of minimize the hurt and to, to, to minimize the pain without trying to minimize the suffering or, 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 or just kind of throwing under the rug our, our difficulties and our frustrations, maybe without minimizing your position in life, which for most of us is probably more than likely not ideal. You know, like we, I think everyone could say that we're happy here today. We have joy in our lives. But does that mean that our lives are perfectly ideal? No, and we're not trying to minimize that. We're not trying to just throw that under the rug. But the fact of the matter is, it's the truth that we can't ignore. All throughout the scriptures, again and again and again, we're called to practice the discipline, meaning it's not something that always comes naturally, so we have to do something to counteract that. We are called to practice the discipline of celebration, of praise, of worship, and joy. And to let that joy go deep, deep down inside. Do you remember the Bible school song? I think I heard some of you singing it over here. Maybe this is the one you were today. Do you remember the song, though? Maybe when you, if you grew up in the church, maybe now you just heard this song somewhere. Way back when you were a little tyke, the Sunday school song, right? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Okay, you know this, all right? Where? I've got the... That is the most pitiful rendition of that song I've ever heard. You don't, you don't sound very joyful. I've, it's too low. Okay, does a female want to start it? Steph, you want to start it? No? Down in my heart. Where? Where? Oh, that's pitiful. We'll have to try that again. You need to go home and practice. We'll try it again next week. Down in my heart. And when, I remember when I was growing up and with any Sunday school song, and then you kind of get to junior high and everything is just totally not cool. And I remember that song, and I watched the little kids up there saying, I go, that is the dumbest song I have ever heard. And they make all these little actions and everything, like everything's stupid when you're in junior high. But then my mom turns to me and she goes, you were up there once doing that in your little khakis and your polo shirt when you were in second grade. That was you. What happened to your joy, right? What happened to your joy? And, and, and somewhere along the line, as I grew up and got, I got out of my stupid junior high stage, not that junior high kids are stupid, everything's weird at that age. But as you grow up, something affected me. Something changed in me as I witnessed the lives of other Christians. And the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, I realized, was real. Is there? It's, it's real. And it, it is down, down, down in my heart. It's, it's real. It's, it's true. And I, and I think for many of us, when we have that, 
that initial moment where we, we come to believe in God, or, or some of you may be very new in your faith and kind of new to your walk with God, or if you've been walking with God for a while, can you remember back to when you first fell in love? Not your marriage, when, when you first fell in love with God. Do you remember that feeling? Maybe for the first time, remembering the joy of understanding God's love for you for the very first time? Wasn't the joy so real? But somewhere along the line, that joy that fills us up, it kind of starts to leak out a little bit. And we're not so filled up anymore. Sometimes life gets in the way, right? Sometimes service and busyness gets in the way. Being a serious adult gets in the way. And all that joy just kind of gets pushed aside. And then comes the hurt, right? And then comes the pain, and then comes the sickness, and then comes the anxiety, and then comes the stress. And pretty soon, we're not thriving. We're just kind of putzing along, surviving. That joy shrinks inside of us. Life isn't going the way that we planned. Where did all the joy go? And somewhere along the line, and, and this is what I've experienced in my life too, and so I'm not just yelling at you about this. I'm telling you that this is real, that this happens. Somewhere along the line, even as Christians, we can get really, really dry. And we can really get really, really unfulfilled. And in fact, we can get very, very critical of life. You notice when you're filled up with joy, you're not very critical. (laughs) But when you're dry and you're empty and you're not filled up, then everything's horrible. (laughs) And it's easy to kind of pick at people. We become very critical. We become very cynical about life, even. And sometimes, a lot of Christians, when you think about it, are just plain old boring. I've been there. It's not about the joy, 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 joy down in your heart. It's about the ho-hum, ho-hum, am I going to make it through another day sort of life. It's not about the joy in our hearts anymore. It's more like a like kind of a surface-level happiness that just kind of sits at the surface of our heart. And then whenever anything happens that's not what we want, just kind of comes and gets snatches away. And life just kind of steals that joy away from us. The Christian life isn't about joy anymore. It's just what it used to be. Remember when I used to feel close to God? Remember that? Remember when I really felt the joy of the Lord? Sometimes we forget our first love. Sometimes we forget what this whole thing is about because we can put our blinders on and we get wrapped up into, this is how it's affecting me. This is what's going on in my life. And if things aren't going well with me, if I'm not satisfied with life, if I'm not satisfied with things at my job, if I'm not satisfied with things at church, then everything's horrible. And I don't have anything nice to say about anybody. Sometimes we forget that having a relationship with Jesus really does make a profound difference in our lives. And it's not, a, it's not some sort of fake, manufactured cheesiness that we're supposed to put on. I'm not saying, just be happy, just put on a mask and, and just be a happy Christian. That's not what I'm talking about. It's most certainly real. And if you know Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. Those moments where you just feel like you have the joy of the Lord and nothing can take that away from you. It's most certainly real. And in fact, God is 
insists that joy invade every aspect of your life, regardless of your circumstances. And God says, if that's you today, if you're feeling like this today, God says, I want to fill you up. This is not the way that we were meant to live. Jesus says, I have come that you might have a life and have it to the full. Have it abundantly. Not just kind of scratch along the surface. Because it doesn't take long, if we look at Scripture, that that Bible that you have in front of you today, all throughout there, God is very serious about celebration. Kind of a play on words there. God is very serious about your joy. He's serious about you taking time to not make life all about you. One could argue that next to loving each other, this is the next closest command that Jesus gives. This is the most important thing that you could have as a Christian in your life. It's not just an add-on, like, I'm a Christian, I'm a mature Christian, I'm going along, I'm going to put a little joy on my belt. Just a little dose, just a little sprinkle of joy in my life. I looked it up in a uh, Bible reference this week, 242 times joy is used in the Bible. That's more than money. (laughs) And we talk a lot about that too, and we get stressed out about that. 243 times. I looked again, the word rejoice, rejoice in the Lord, have joy in just the fact that God exists and you exist. Just rejoice in who God is. 156 times rejoice, like the verse that you read in your group. God is really trying to get our attention about something. And this isn't just about me giving you a little pep talk. You might be saying, John, well, you're required to say that. You're a pastor, right? You have to be happy. You're not going to get up here and, well, I'm kind of bored today and Jesus doesn't really mean anything. I, I'm not getting paid to say that. It's, it's real. I wouldn't stand up here and tell you something just for the fun of it. I have a lot better things to do. It's real. It's true. And a lot of you can attest to that. Jesus says, instead, this is the natural outpouring of a life when you're filled up with the Holy Spirit, right? We talk a lot about filled up with the Holy Spirit. What difference does that make in my life? And this isn't just for you if if maybe you're like, I'm just, I'm not a people person. I'm not really an extrovert. I'm not, that's not how I really share my faith. I'm more of just kind of a one-on-one mellow kind of person. I wonder, in the list of the fruits of the Spirit, which we heard a little bit about this morning, the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, Love, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. What's next to love? What's next to love? Joy. It's the second one. It's right there. I don't know if, if Paul put those in order of how important they are, but I think it's a reason, there's a reason it's near the top, right? Next to love, joy is pretty important, right near the top. It's why Jesus said, for the most mature believers, those that have this kind of life, that are letting the Spirit move through them in this kind of way, the most mature believers, joy is a real part of their lives. Jesus says that the most mature people are not those necessarily with all the titles and with all the degrees and those that have the most knowledge and those that are so smart and those who, who understand the most about culture and those who, who, who puff themselves up by, by looking down on others. It's not necessarily about those who, who have these high-level uh, positions at work. That's not necessar- necessarily what makes you great in the kingdom of God. Instead, Jesus says, you know who's great in the kingdom of God? Children. Because they have joy. Because they have innocence. Because they won't let 
the world snatch away that joy that no one can get at because it's way, way down in my soul. Instead, it was those who came to Jesus like children, those who didn't assume that they knew it all. Those who had joy in their life, not because they have good circumstances all the time, but they, they found a reason to celebrate simply because they were alive and they knew that everything that they had was because of grace. There's always a reason to celebrate. And so I want to challenge you a little bit today to consider the witness that you offer to the world. I want you to think about this for a second. If we're talking about witnessing and evangelism and sharing your faith with the people around you, right? If your sole witness to the world was the attitude that shines forth in your interactions, in your relationships, in everything that you do, if, if your attitude was your witness to the world, the only thing that you had to communicate, what message are you sending? What message are you sending? If the joy that you brought into your circles of friends and your family was the way, the only way that you could share your faith was through your joy, what gospel are you preaching? That Christianity is just a drag? That every little thing that affects me, I'm going to let get under my skin and I'm just going to shed that gloominess on everybody that I come into contact with? That's not what scripture says. It's deeper. It's deeper than that, regardless of your personality, regardless of whether you're having a good or bad day. It's deeper than that. What about your life says to the world, I know a joy that's deep, deep down in my soul. It's Jesus' heart for you. It's his gift to you. Let's read this together. I think we have this up on the screen. Uh, John chapter 17. These are some of Jesus' final prayers for us as his people. Let's read this together. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. The full measure of my joy. Not just a little bit here and there. This is God's heart for you. The full measure of his joy. I was watching an interview session a few weeks ago uh, on the internet. This, this, this big church had put together this, this online forum that you could watch, and it was a panel and it happened to be made up of uh, people with all different opinions about religion, about Christianity, um, people that are trying to figure out if church is going to be a part of their life. Like, what difference? Why should I go to church? What's, what's the point of that? And they, and they sent them to all these different churches. So this was kind of the, the, the test that they did. And they sent them out to all these different churches and then to come back and report about their experience. So these aren't necessarily people that are a part of a church right now. Lots of different opinions. And of course, I'm really drawn to this because I'm always interested, how do we make our church, how do we make City Branch a church of joy? How do we make it a church that's attractive to the tens of thousands of unchurched people in our neighborhood? And so they were asked the question when they came back, what were some of the key factors that really drew you to some churches and kind of didn't draw you to other churches? And of course, I'm thinking, okay, they're probably going to mention the music, the band, the worship leader probably has a funky hairdo or something. The preacher's boring. I didn't really like the flow of the service. The building was kind of dirty, you know. The, it wasn't a very hip-looking church building. My seat wasn't very comfy. You know, I'm thinking they're going to mention these sorts of things. And maybe what programs they have. Was the children's ministry good? Did they have a good program for this and a program for that? But that's not what they talked about. 
more than three-fourths of the panelists said things like this. I, I noticed that there was something different about the people that were there. They just loved being there. <laughs> there was something different about the people at, at, at this church. They would mention that such and such church. They, people loved being there. It was almost like there was nowhere else that they would rather be. Another person said, that I could not, not have joy. <laughs> the joy was contagious just being around these people. I was specifically drawn, another person said, I was specifically drawn most to the churches where people were actually smiling when they left. You ever thought about that? I mean, praise God that we have that. I see a lot of you smiling as you leave, I hope. And if not, feel free to elbow somebody and say, smile, wake up. It's not just about cheering up, it's the joy of the Lord. They noticed this wasn't just a bunch of people that had everything good going on in their lives. A church of 500, 1,000 people, there's got to be all sorts of things wrong. It was a joy. It was something deeper. They found a party going on. They found a, a celebration, people that, that filled you up. There's a reason that Sunday mornings are my favorite time of the week. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, we got a lot of things going on here. It's because we get to be together as a family and we get to celebrate and it's great to be with people that wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And if that's not what you're feeling today, I think that God wants to do something in you. God wants to move in your heart a little bit. I think God wants to ask you today, where did all your joy go? Where did it go? And think back to those places and those times and those experiences when life started to chip away and and ask God, would you restore that in me? It's the kind of community that people want to be a part of. If you were going to invite somebody to church, you would want to invite them into a community of joy. But if we're honest, a lot of times the joy does get covered up and some of you are, that's where you are today. This isn't a very fun message for you to hear. And a lot of people would say, you know, I... I would praise God more. I, I, I think I would probably sing more and worship. I'm, I might even raise my hands. But I, I, I would have more joy if I had something to praise him about. If things, if things were better, if, if, if God would actually come through for me once in a while, then, then I'd have a reason to celebrate. In fact, you know what? I'm, I'm a little upset with the way things have gone in my life. Totally not as I planned. My, I've, you know, made, I've, I've made some mistakes. I know I've made some mistakes and I just have this guilt that's kind of hanging over me like a dark cloud. There is no reason whatsoever why I need to worship. There is no reason whatsoever why I would have joy in my life. We're kind of going through a transition time in our life right now and everything's uncertain and I don't, I don't know what our next step in life should be. Why should I have joy? Everything's uncertain. I'll, I'll praise God when things get better. And this is where it becomes a discipline. This is where it becomes a spiritual discipline because God calls for your praise regardless. I know that's hard to hear. Jesus has been known to say some hard things. He calls for your praise regardless. So I want you to hop back in your groups for just a couple minutes and tackle that second question. Read the the verse from Romans and talk a little bit about how we find joy in our sufferings. So how do we rejoice in our sufferings? What does that look like lived out in the world? I was, I was very humbled uh, to hear this story. And we, it wasn't talked a, lot, a whole lot on, on secular media, and, and that's okay. 
But you know about the earthquake in Haiti, right? It's kind of just down the page now. It's not, not that big a deal anymore. It's kind of down the news page. But did you know that just a few days after this, this massive earthquake, which now uh, death totals are above 200,000 people, Des Moines, gone. Kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> about our issues and the things that we stress about. <laughs> um, do you know what the people of Haiti did just a few days after this hit? Some of the church leaders got together and they said, we're going to have a worship service. We're going to have a prayer and worship service. And you can you imagine the chaos and the devastation and people don't know what's going on. So how many people do you guess came? be 20, 50, 100, 500 maybe, if, if it was a good day, depending on how many people were there. How about a million? Including the president and the prime minister and all bunch of different government officials, and they got together, and in the midst of total devastation, I'm not just talking about, well, our shoot, you know shelves are a little empty, we need to go down to high V. I'm talking about, I don't know where I'm going to get my next meal. I don't know where I'm going to be sleeping tonight. I don't have any kind of shelter. And they get together in the midst of this disaster to lift their eyes to the one who loves them no matter what, to lift their eyes to the one that is joy, regardless of what they're going through, because they know that his love is real and it's eternal and it's going to last forever. There's always a reason to praise. There's always a reason to have joy, to find joy in the midst of our trials. And isn't it interesting how we can learn the most from the people that have the least? Isn't that interesting? We can learn the most from the people that have the least. There's always a reason to praise. No matter how dark a situation you find yourself in today, God's love for you has not and will not ever change. Today you have life. You have breath in your lungs. You came to worship. That is something to praise God for, that you are here, that you have a chance to be together as God's family, that God's given you a purpose in life. God's given you a mission. God's given you community here. God's given you a family and friends. There is always something to be thankful for. And even when we're in the midst of those dark times, even when we're in the midst of those trials, Scripture talks all about how our trials refine us. They refine us. They're, they're like gold going through a purification process. I'm going to change. I'm going to be a different person because of this. No matter what season of life you're in, the spiritual discipline of finding joy in any circumstance refines our faith and draws us nearer to the heart of God like nothing else. He's bigger He's bigger than whatever you're going through. His joy is deeper. And he provides the power. He provides the courage. He provides the hope to see you through whatever situation you're going through. Where does our joy come from? I love what the prophet Nehemiah says in his own book, Nehemiah. Let's read this together up on the screen. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What's your strength? 
What's your strength? The joy of the Lord. It's our rock. It's our constant. When everything else is changing, when you're in a transition time in your life, when you're in a crisis time in your life, what are you going to stand on, right? Last week we read about the rock, that we're building our house on the rock, not on the sand. The rock is the joy of the Lord. That's something that you can have deep down in the pit of your gut, regardless of what's going on in your life. And it's going to start to change you. Remember that. The joy of the Lord. It's not just a verse that you read in Scripture. Repeat that. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you're going into work, when you're facing a difficult situation, when you're in a difficult relationship, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Put that into practice and it's going to change you today, tomorrow. It's going to change you. There's always something to praise God for. There's always a reason to celebrate because it's how we are wired up. God wired you up to give him praise, to worship him. It's what you were created for. And I was thinking about this this past week. How are we going to wrap this up? I mean, what could we do to kind of just be a big shebang ending? What, 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 what church service could I show? What, what church could I refer to? And I would refer to you, but it's, it's kind of hard to, to, to capture the joy of a worship service on video. So I was looking through YouTube and different things. And so I thought we'd turn to the famous prophet, Ferris Bueller, to give us just a, a, a taste of what this joy looks like. And I want you to overlook the fact that they're skipping school. That's not something that we're recommending here. But I want you to look a little bit deeper. And if you look around you as we're watching this clip, it's only a few minutes long, if you look around you here today as we're watching this clip and you see somebody sitting there with a frown on their face and their hands crossed, you have the full permission to just give them a little elbow and say, wake up, Mr. Sirius, or wake up, Miss Sirius. Watch this clip and just... Enjoy it and see if you can draw a connection between the joy of the Lord and what Ferris and his friends did that day. Let's take a look. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Enjoy your lunch. Darling, you were wonderful. Hey, bada 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 so wing bada.
Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Okay, so funny clip. Did you catch the last thing he said? Life moves pretty fast. It does, doesn't it? Some of you that are parents know that. Life moves pretty fast. Don't miss the joy. Don't miss the joy, and some of you are going to miss it. Some of you are going to miss it because you won't let yourself get filled up. You think this is the way that life is. I have to keep living this way. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss up. Hop on up for a second. Stand on up. Don't miss it because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I just want to ask you as we finish today, where are you looking for joy? What's your source of joy today? God says, I want to fill you up today. I want to fill you up to overflowing. I want to fill you up. And, and usually at this point in a church service, in a traditional Lutheran church, they would pass the peace, right? You've heard about passing the peace. Go around, you, you just very politely shake somebody else's hand. and Peace, you know, you don't say it too loud because you don't want to stir the boat. You don't want to make a scene. Well, today we're going to make a scene, okay? And instead of passing the peace in honor of today, talking about celebration, we're going to pass the joy, okay? So here's what we're going to do. You're going to go, and instead of giving uh, handshakes, you're going to say, the joy of the Lord be with you, and you're going to give a high five, okay? And I want some people from this side of the room to get to this side of the room, okay? Don't just stay on this side of the room. I want you to share the joy of the Lord with some people over here. And likewise, some of you over here, okay? We're going to see which side ends up sharing a little bit more joy, okay? So should we demonstrate? Should we demonstrate? I'll demonstrate with John. Oh, the joy of the Lord be with you. The joy of the Lord be with you. There you go. Go for it. Share the joy.